Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Alright. Turn the wheel! No! Reverse! Reverse! Slow the out! Go kill it! Kill it! Kill the owner! There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse! Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're doc now. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show, part of the Almighty Baller Network. I am your host, Keith Smith, and I am joined today by the full team. With us, we got our producer back, Connorell. Con, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, Keith. Excited to talk about the Bulls and Celtics and all these other teams that we're going today. We're knocking out a bunch today, so it should be fun. Yeah, uh, just a little peek behind the curtain for everybody. It is <laughs> Sunday, July 29th. We are going to try to do a bunch of shows in a row. That way we don't have to take a big gap when Con goes on his overseas adventure uh, here in the next. Uh, we'll see uh, We'll see how we do by the end of the uh, last team. You'll, you'll have to let us all know if we're, <laughs> if we're dragging in a little bit out of it. We might uh, be a little be. But this may be a one-time thing where we do uh, stock a few shows. Might be better to take the break, but we'll see. I think we can hang in there. We're all uh, we're all coffeeed up this morning and uh, ready to go. So just with that note, if you are listening to this later, again, we're recording this Sunday morning, July 29th. So if anything happens after that date, we're not going to have that in there, but we will react to it on a later show. Uh, and Con mentioned it. We're going to start us off here with the Chicago Bulls. This is Con's team, so we're going to – we're, we're happy he's back with us for this show we made sure he'd be uh able to record with us this morning we're going to get right into it with the bulls bulls additions this summer they added wendell carter jr antonius cleveland who they claimed off waivers from the atlanta hawks chandler hutchinson he was their second first round draft pick along with carter jr then they signed jabari parker and we're definitely going to talk about that one <laughs> quite a bit then uh raleigh alkins was signed to a two-way and then they technically added julian stone um uh, in the trade that they made a three-team trade which we will talk about in a little bit but they have since waived stone so he is uh, not with the team and then subtractions jerry and grant he was part of the trade that they made earlier this summer and then sean kilpatrick was waived uh, Paul Zipser was waived, and then Noah Vonley signed with the New York Knicks, and David Nwaba is still an outstanding free agent. We'll get into some more on Nwaba as we get into it. So uh, probably the best way to handle this is we'll just talk about the transaction straight down, uh, kind of in chronological order, and then what we'll do is we will get into some questions about the Bulls, about 10 questions or so to start it off. So let's let's get into it, and we'll start with first transaction that really kind of kicked off the offseason was the NBA draft and the Bulls had two first round picks and they picked Wendell Carter Jr. and Chandler Hutchison both in the first round Carter out of Duke Hutchison out of um, Boise State so Con you're the Bulls guy are you happy with this draft? 
Oh, I'm I'm thrilled honestly with with the guys that they picked. Um, I was at summer league, so I was able to watch three full Bulls games. Uh, so I got quite a bit of Carter and Hutchison in their live. Um, and I mean, obviously, everyone's talked about how Carter was just showing out. Really impressive with his athleticism. They were switching everything. I mean, when they were playing the Hawks, he held his own against Trey Young, which is as close to like NBA level um, foot speed and, and talent that that he's gonna get uh, at summer league. So it was nice to see him able uh, to to hold his own on switches to to guards um, and his defensive awareness, his shot blocking ability, his timing was really on display um, at, at summer league. And I was, when they first picked him, I thought it was like a safe pick and fine. Safe picks aren't, aren't a problem. <laughs> um, but I also was hopeful that maybe Bagley was kind of uh, keeping him from really showing everything he has in his arsenal. And just from Summer League, it seems like that could be true. So we'll see what he becomes um, in the NBA, but... From everything he's shown, I mean, he can knock down uh, open threes. Uh, he could, he even had that crazy two-hand block and then ran the break. Um, he looks really fluid uh, running down the floor, too. So just his combination with Lowry is going to be amazing, which, I mean, two years in a row, the seventh pick in the draft, the Bulls seem to have uh, knocked it out of the park. So we'll see how Carter develops uh, to see if he actually is. We, we see Lowry is looking like he's going to be a stud um and then let's uh, like let, say, let's let's talk yeah, carter ahead. for for a little bit um because i want to spend for a little sure. bit of time on that one so so uh, you know i was out there too as, as we know we hung out quite a bit at summer league which was you know great to see in person um <laughs> you know what was uh what was interesting too with carter was you know you touched on most of it and it really was coming into the draft he kept getting a lot of comparisons to al horford and when you watched him play you can see it like it makes sense. Like he's he's not quite the passer Horford is just yet, but you can see he has the that mindset, that mentality to find guys. And in summer leagues, again, Pete and I talked about this in the Hawks episode. Summer league's not the place for guys to really show off their passing acumen because you're running yeah. very simple, basic stuff. So that's you know that that'll come with time. But you know he was you know for my money he was the most impressive rookie. Um, out at that summer week, he was, uh, you know, amongst the most impressive players, period. I uh, thought he, you know, did some really, really nice things on both ends. And I, I like that you made the point about was uh, Bagley holding it back. Pete, if you remember in the Hawks, we talked about this was the Alex Poitras, that sometimes these guys go to these loaded college programs they don't really get to show exactly what they are or develop their skills because it's they're one of you know sometimes five six seven guys um, as opposed to kind of being the man. So you you got quick thoughts on Wendell Carter because I mean without I think we all love the guy so it'd be nice maybe you hate him and then we can really have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and Pete's a Duke guy for everybody so so we'll we'll frame a reference. I think looking at Wendell Carter, you have to look at the situation with Duke, though, because Bagley obviously reclassified, and then he came in, kind of stole the spotlight of of what, you know, Carter and the Carter family um, saw as a potential role. So he changed his role a little bit. Um, I think looking at going forward into the season, I like what I saw in, in Summer League as kind of an indicator. With his long wingspan, good athlete, good shot blocker, gifted rebounder, very good hands. 
and then being able to to kind of step out and shoot a little bit that actually is a big potential for him going forward because we know he can change the game on the defensive side of the ball that's going to be key for whatever they you know need going forward because you have the scores in Jabari Parker you have the score in Zach Levine so couple Chris Dunn defensively at the point guard spot with Wendell Carter then at the center spot shoring up the rim that's really going to help moving forward the key to look for with, with Carter how far can he expand his game um, from the stretch point of view what can he do off the dribble and then can he keep his fouls down um, across the board the question I had going into the draft was his lateral movement and he showed that he can step out and guard wings um, you know not extensively but enough on switches that he can hold his own so I really really like Wendell Carter Jr. Awesome. All right, Con, going to uh, Chandler Hutchison, who I'm going to guess you were slightly less impressed with than Wendell Carter Jr. Well, I mean, yeah, he was the 22nd pick, and I was blown away by Carter, so not being blown away by Hutchison isn't, like, doesn't mean I'm, I'm low on him. I was still really impressed with the some of the things that he did show, um, and so main the main thing of that is... Um, lost my words there <laughs> uh he can really push push the break and his passing ability w- really impressed me um in summer league you said that uh in summer league you passing uh isn't the main thing you can show but hutchison found a way to be able to do that mm-hmm. um he's he's really long and athletic uh and yeah he's a four-year guy but every year in college he improved in boise state and this past year i mean he was their go-to guy he was uh he was the lead ball handler in, in a lot of their on um, what they were doing and I think in the NBA he can definitely be a second or third ball handler um, when he's on the court and that was probably his main weakness is lead ball handling like he his, his handle isn't too tight but I don't think he's going to need to do that as much as he did in college um, in the NBA so just him running the break he's able to knock down open threes um, he can score on closeouts drive on closeouts I really like uh, his potential to be a really solid role player. If not low end starter, I think that's low end starter is probably his ceiling. But I think he can slide right in um, at the backup two or three. And I mean, wings are at a premium right now. So uh, especially I mentioned with Carter, he can run the break. Hutchison can run the break. We saw Lowry run the break a lot. They got Dunn, Levine, Parker. I mean, we're gonna get to all these guys too. But it's just gonna be a really fun uh, run and gun team, I think, with this with this bull squad. Yeah, you know, and I, I like what you mentioned on his his passing, you know, and that's true. Three point six assists per game for a guy who's not a point guard and not a primary yeah. ball handler. That's really good. Plus, he was a, he did a nice job on the boards in summer league. Seven rebounds per game um, was a pretty good rebounder in college, so that's you know good to see. And and I know a lot of people were concerned about the shooting. I think his challenge was, which is for a lot of young guys, and he's got to add strength. Was he struggled um, at the rim? is where he really struggled. But, he, you know, he knocked down half his three-point attempts per game. So so I think it'll come with time. And it's and for, for me, and you, you know, being the, the Bulls guy here, is there's not a lot of wing depth in front of them in Chicago. You know, it's it's really kind of Parker and Levine as the as starters, and we'll talk about whether that's where Parker should be or not. Um, but that is, uh, you know, then it's behind them. It's really Justin Holiday, And then – 
Denzel Valentine, I guess, but if you saw his performance in the Drew League, I, I don't know if you saw that uh, <laughs> floating around Twitter, yeah, but yeah, he had some struggles. And then it's, you know, then it's kind of, you're just taking shots on guys like Antonio Blakeney and Antonius Cleveland and things like that to, to try and figure it out there. So I, I think Hutchinson, he's probably not, he's probably not going to have much of an impact in the first half of the year, but as the second half of the season goes along, I think he'll probably be better uh than he is in the first half which is really what you want to see out of a rookie in the end yeah and i mean i think um as the year goes on we'll see what happens with holiday Mm -hmm. um he's a prime trade candidate i think with him coming off that four million dollar deal he can definitely help a playoff team he's on an expiring contract um, I think if they do end up moving on from Holiday, that's going to open a lot more minutes uh, for Hutchison. And we'll get to him, but Raleigh Alkins, I think, can really make an impact if he takes um, if he takes his opportunity and plays really well because his size and athleticism and lack of wing depth of the Bulls, he could use that to his advantage. I'm, I'm, I, I really like that two-way pickup. Obviously, it's a two-way pickup, so not really... Um, might not make a huge impact, but it's it's nice to take flyers on on guys like that, athletic guys who can play on the wing. Yeah, no, for sure, and, and it shows right there. Both of the Bulls' two way players last year, uh, Ryan Archie Diacono and Antonio Blakeney, are now on standard NBA deals. So if you hit on those, you know you kind you kind of get the guy for the development year as a two way player, and then you'll move him in. And Alkins is an interesting player. We'll we'll spend a couple minutes on him uh, here. He's he's six four, but he's not. I don't – he's just kind of a guard um, is my thought. Arizona's tough because they'll just kind of let guys do a lot of different things, so it can be a little hard to get a full read on role for those guys. But I, I think he can do a little bit of ball handling. I think that's – my guess is the goal this year is to develop him and see if you can get him into being a point guard. Um, but then if not, then you know just kind of let him go. So I, I like him. I know he really gets after it defensively and plays really hard, which is – you know, kind of been the the trademark of Bulls guards over the years. So I think that's something that they'll they'll look forward to developing there. And he does fit again with with all their the rest of their guards all have pretty good size. You know, Kristan's six four, six five. Crit campaigns about six three or so. Um, you know, Sean Kilpatrick's the guy's about six four when they brought him in last year. You know, so that's the, they they like those little bit of those bigger guards. Even Archie Diakno, he's about you know, a solid six three or so. So that's you know, kind of kind of interesting to see uh, there what happens with with Alkins. He uh, he didn't play or he didn't play for them in summer league, right? He played for somebody else. Yeah, he, put, he played for the Raptors. That's and right. Raptors fans were a little bit upset. <laughs> That's that right. Yeah. Take the flyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the, and the Raptors still uh, you know still kind of sit, sitting it. I mean, they they made the big Kawhi trade, but they've kind of sat it out as far as filling out the rest of the roster. So, but they're 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 uh, at least a couple weeks away before we get too deep into them. So I want to go to the next transaction on the list for the Bulls. It's the Charlotte Hornets and Orlando Magic trade that they made, three-team trade for the Bulls. This was really get off Jerry and Grant's contract because they, they returned Julian Stone. They didn't really do much else in this trade, if I've got all my details right on this. And, um, you know, they moved Grant. That that kind of cleared up that, that point guard, you know, muddled mess there as they have Chris Dunn, who they you know like and we'll talk a little bit about Chris Dunn uh, later in the show and then they still have campaign and then they had Grant and now you know we just mentioned you've got Alkins that that they like as a two-way guy so you know moving Grant so Con is it 
too how do you feel about that did they give up on grant too early are you fine with it what's your thoughts on you know really just kind of dumping julian grant or jerry and grant in this trade um i wasn't i didn't really feel anything about it honestly i was neutral because they had a larger sample size with grant than they did Payne, and i think they didn't want both of them on the roster and Grant, I mean, his good games, you could say, oh, this guy has some potential, he's athletic and, and whatnot. Um, but he he just pounded the ball a little bit too much. He didn't he didn't give it up when he should a lot of the time and it and it stuck with him. Um and his best games were when were when he didn't do that, was when he caught uh caught the ball and drove immediately or looked to pass and like he's had a couple ten to twelve assist games and those are his best games when he's looking to get rid of the ball, push and transition and, and make quick decisions. It's just he didn't make quick decisions often enough and I think that's what the Bulls um kind of saw. I personally, if I had to choose between Payne and Grant, I would have given Grant one more year. Um, but again, they didn't have as much, uh, sample size with, with pain and they probably just wanted to, uh, see if he can actually be a backup point guard. And to me, it's just backup point guard's been a struggling, a struggle for the Bulls for a while. Um, even when they had guys like the score first guys under Tibbs, like John Lucas and Aaron Brooks and all those guys mm-hmm. and TJ Watson, it, it just never really stuck. It's always been a carousel. Um, I just want one of these guys to stick. I just don't, I'm not too high on pain being that guy, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Overall, Grant, they wanted 1.6 or 7 million, whatever his contract was. That's fine. Uh, clear up some salary and not deal with, uh, any renegotiation or restricted free agency talk next year, I guess. Yeah, no, and that's, that's really what it comes down to. Pete, are you in agreement with that, that you would have taken, uh, pain over Grant, or would you, are you a Grant over pain guy, or are they both terrible and it doesn't matter? <laughs> <laughs> um, I wasn't big, big on, on either one, although I, <clears throat> um, with Cameron Payne, I think he showed some good flashes at the end of the year, able to give them a different look than Dunn because he can knock down threes, um, willing passer as well. So I take the upside. Um, so to speak, of Cameron Payne instead of uh, Grant. Um, and then kind of the other side of it, I know Julian Stone obviously got waived, but now he's going back. It's it's kind of odd because um, he wanted to be bought out of um, his contract from, um, what is it, Ren, Renzer uh, Benzia? Or uh, how do you say sure. It? Or Rayer Benzia yeah. um, overseas. So he got bought out of the contract last season to go to Charlotte because his dad obviously, you know, lots of um, complications mm-hmm. with him kind of life-threatening issues. Um, so money kind of was the motivating factor. Now he's gone back and signed another two-year deal with Ray or Venzia um, overseas. So interesting there. I don't think that Julian Stone will see him back in the NBA again. I just don't think he does enough in the NBA game to excel. He has the size to play both point guard and shooting guard. Just doesn't score it well enough and doesn't defend well enough. Um, you know, to really be a, a long-term immediate. No, I, I, and I'm with you on that. I don't, you know, that's exactly it. He's he's okay as your, you know, fourth point guard. But as teams are really transitioning that fourth point guard more into a two-way guy in the lights there, it just, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. But, you know, but he can do quite well overseas, as you mentioned. It'll make a lot of money over there. So that's, you know, good for him. So let's spend a minute here. We'll break into the transaction part. Uh, Con, I'm going to come back to you. Is Chris Dunn the long-term answer at point guard? 
Um, I think he could be. I, it's, I, I don't think one season is enough to really say that this guy is going to be the point guard of the future, but I think he's showed an, he showed enough last year to make me confident that he could be that guy. I mean, he's super athletic and amazing. Like, he's one of the best point guard defenders in the league already. Um, and I think he, he can get to his spots. He, he takes the mid-range a bit too much, but when he when he hits, he can get to his spots and knock that mid-range down. Um, obviously, he needs to get better at his three-point shot, so we'll see how that improves. And I think that's really the key. If he can get up to a point where uh, teams actually have to contest um, his three-point shot and, and are afraid to go under, then then he I think for sure he, he can be the point guard um of the the starting point guard of the Bulls for the long term, him and Lowry have that pick and pop game going. Uh, I'm higher on Chris Dunn than most, also. <laughs> so uh, I, I I thought that even when he, before he came onto the Bulls, um, I thought he wasn't given the opportunity that he should be getting. And Tibbs and his rookies don't get along too much um, anyway. So I figured that. Once Chris Dunn got a legit shot, he he'd show something, and he did last year. And luckily, it was for the Bulls. So now I'm even higher on him. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I th- I think he's he's a good option there for now. Yeah, and I'm with you there. I I think you know he's as you mentioned, he's already one of the best uh, guard defenders in the entire league. He's also got enough size that he can hold his own and switches against the, the bigger wings without too much worry. So, you know, I, I think that he's a developing playmaker. There, there's a lot to be, you know, like about his game. I can also tell you, I was told by multiple people that those reports of him not working hard uh, over the off season and kind of, you know, goofing around and not working on his body were just completely bogus. Um, it I, doesn't, fit his character at all at all no yeah this guy is as self-made a guy as there is in the league you know and that's uh and it's funny because i also i i've probably mentioned on the show before but ed cooley his coach at providence was one of my high school teachers and coaches um back in the day yeah so he uh yeah if that was the case uh ed cooley would fly to chicago and you know, warm his butt for him and uh, get him going. So he, um, you know, that that did that, that. Those never really made sense to me. You know, and and I think sometimes it's looked at as so many of these guys we start hearing about them. They're they're in the gym. You know, two days after the season ends. Well, some of the teams don't want that. They want them to walk away for, you know, get a couple weeks off and and then, you know, get at it. Because it really is, it's almost a fully year-round thing for most of these players. So I'm with you. I think Chris Dunn will uh, be a good player, you know, and get, get going here. So, you know, that'll be interesting. All right, so let's move into the next transaction of the summer. This was a was – well, I was going to say the big one, but let's call, call it the 1-1A. One one so we'll call this the one – uh, transaction 1A will come a little bit later. Zach Levine signed an offer sheet with the Sacramento Kings, so four years, uh, almost not quite $80 million, but almost there, $79 million or so. And they, um, you know, Sign match that that offer sheet. And it's it's a flat nineteen point five million a year for the next four seasons. So Pete, I'm going to go to you first on this one because because I want to kind of hear. Were you was it? Let's start with the Kings side of it first. Do you think the Kings did this just to get some money off the board, or do you think they really wanted Zach Levine? What do you think on that side? Uh, based on Ron Adive's track record, I think they actually wanted. Uh, Zach Levine. Zach Levine himself thought he was going to Sacramento. Um, I think it's a 
to be honest, it's a steal for, for Chicago because obviously he's a bucket getter. Um, you know, another guy that works with Drew Hanlon. Um, you know, obviously we've talked about him many <laughs> That's times. That's going to be like the running theme uh, of the summer here is Drew Hanlon, guys. <laughs> exactly, because it seems like every <laughs> single team you go down, he's he's working with somebody. Um, but he's a, a gifted scorer from all over the floor. I'd like to see him have better discipline with the shot selection. And I think having the injury last year sitting for so long, he got to see kind of where some deficiencies were on the offensive side in his game. And so I think he'll be able to clean those up. I think he's happy with the contract. He's happy to be able to take care of his family. Um, and so that's going to keep him motivated there. His work ethic is is great, so there's not a problem um, as far as that. Where I think, obviously, he's going to have to improve is the defensive side of the ball. Just get to an average defender, um, and I think they're okay. You know, I think he's going to be a, a you know easy given for 20 points you know, per game or more score. Um, and then hopefully he can get to the five, you know, five and a half assist range um, consistently without turning the ball so over. So, Con, Pete said steal for the Bulls. What, as, as the Bulls guy, what's your thought on that, that, uh, that, that exact wording? Is this a steal for the Bulls? Look, I, I was so confident that this was going to be the guy that we were going to disagree on. <laughs> um, but it d- didn't happen. Because oh, man. I, but, yeah, I, I'm fully on Pete's tra- and like I'm I'm honestly a little bit excited that there's another guy um, that also th- loves this deal. <laughs> One because because okay, so let me get into a few things that I've talked about many times already on on our own podcast. But so there's there's a lot of people saying oh three like the third and fourth year deal like year on this deal is going to be bad or like it's going to get worse as time goes on. First of all, that's just not true. This year is going to be the biggest cap hit of this deal for the Bulls, percentage-wise. Um, the cap's only going to go up. This is a flat deal at 19.5. For me, I thought the high end of what I would want to match on him was $20 million a year. But I've also said that if it went 21 or 22, like I still probably just bite the bullet and, and take it anyway. Just because... And this isn't a sunk cost type thing where, oh, they gave they got him for Jimmy Butler and whatever. This is because there aren't he's a top five athlete in the league right now. Like we saw he didn't lose explosion coming back from the injury. Um, at least we saw and then people who look at his numbers this year, how many games did did they play that actually mattered? Because he came back after Miritich left or right around the time Miritich left. And they were already full tank mode. And I'd argue he played only one game that mattered to him against the Wolves. And he scored 35 points, clutch clutch shot after clutch shot, and killed it that game. So we'll see what happens. I was, I, I think, like Pete said, if he gets to average, even if he gets to slightly below average and not, like, awful at defense, he'll be a net positive. Um, in the third and fourth year of this contract, it's going to be less than a sixth of the cap, which if he's your second or third best player... That's a steal, like Pete said. Um, and I just think his scoring ability is is off the charts. His athleticism is top five in the league. There's not many guys like this. There, there aren't any guys like this um, in the league. So, yeah, his defensive struggles are going to probably be there, here and there. But he has he's athletic enough to get to average. And Chris Dunn is good enough of a defender to get one or twos. And he'll just be on the worst guy offensively. So yeah, I, I don't see the hate for this deal. Um, I think it's just 
kind of narrative driven for some reason. I don't know, but yeah, I, I'm I'm all in on this, and I think Keith, you might disagree. We'll see. <laughs> I, I'm curious. Yeah, we might have to get in a fourth guy on this podcast because we're <laughs> all too in a, too much in agreement. So it, it's a it's a little more than I'd want to pay him. Yo, but that's yeah. not the end of the world. I agree with that. Right? Like, like I, I would have rather have seen it in the 16, 17 range. But this is what happens with the restricted free agents, right? And P for what it's worth, I'm with you that the Kings absolutely did want to get him. The only way you get a guy in restricted free agency is to overpay him a little or a lot and hope the other team doesn't match. And in this case, obviously the Bulls did. Now, as far as his, his game goes... I think now, right, he came into the league and the Wolves for his first year or two tried to make him into a point guard, you know, and say, you know, hey, let's really have you do a lot handling the ball. And it's just not his game. So, yeah, exactly. You know, and it's and I don't I'm not angry about that because it's probably what the Wolves should have been doing at that point was trying to figure things out. But now now you look at it, the guy's coming into his fifth year. People who are saying the third and fourth year are going to be that he's only going to be 27 at the end of this deal. It's like he's, you know, going to be 33 years old and you're going to wonder if he's still in the league. So, Con, I'm with you there. I'm really glad you mentioned because it kind of gets at the heart of our show here is is when a contract is – the most team-friendly thing a team can do is get a declining contract with some non-guaranteed or team options on it. Um but if you can't get that, a flat contract is really good for the team because of what you mentioned. The cap goes up, the contract doesn't go up with it. So that you know really works out uh, you know to the team's benefit as well. And I'm going to sidetrack for a second. There's a really good article out there right now about contract structures that Zach Lowe wrote um, this week for ESPN. That's about the max contract and how if the cap um, goes up by bigger percentages than what the max contract uh, raises can go up by, how that kind of, you know, makes max contracts, not not a bargain, but, you know, a little more friendly than people think. So check, check that out if you have not had a chance yet. That's a really good article um, yeah, he, to read. He was giving the Bulls some, he was giving the Bulls a lot of uh, content. Yeah, <laughs> oh, week. I'm sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he did. He spent a lot of time on the Bulls. That's true. Um, you know, but for me, and, and I liked what you hit on too, Con, is, very few teams have two really good de- defensive guards in their backcourt. It's just not a thing. Usually one's a little more offensive focused and one's a little more defensive focused. And that seems to be where Chicago's heading towards. And I think I think that's perfectly fine. You know, and, and, and I think Levine's got the athleticism that as you improve the defenders around him, he's going to look a little better just by everybody else kind of rising tide, you know, raises all boats. So I think, you know, he has that opportunity. And then finally, the last thing, you know, and this is something we're going to get into kind of with, with, with the one a guy of the, of the uh, summer for the bulls is being able to put 20 points per game on the board still matters. You know, people get so stuck on, they want everybody to be super efficient or the guy's garbage and I think Levine will get more efficient as he gets a little older and he, you know, really starts to, you know, really slow down. But even if he doesn't get that much more efficient, being able to put points on the board matters. And I think too often guys are kind of criticized and ripped for, you know, the things of like, oh, well, yeah, so what he scored 20 points per game. This isn't Carmelo Anthony where he's going to hold the ball for 20 seconds per, you know, uh, shot clock possession and then, you know, take a bad fall away jumper. Like he's, you know, he, he gets into his stuff pretty quick. He gets to his spots and he can do a lot of things. So I'm not a, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like that's kind of become the forgotten 
thing in the NBA is that having a guy you can throw the ball to and know he's going to get your bucket really still matters. And that's you know really important to me that we don't forget that with guys like Levine because because otherwise we're going to get you know all of a sudden you're going to have all these guys out of the league or not as valued across the NBA that can still really bring an NBA skill to to the court uh, kind of day in and day out. So just something to keep in mind there. So I want to get into the to the next guy, but before we get into him, um, we want to do just kind of close out a couple more small moves. So Sean Kilpatrick, who was waived late in last season, or signed late in last season, was waived. Paul Zipser was waived. Julian Stone, as we mentioned, that's when he was finally waived. It was after the match Levine, and this was all done to create some cap space so that they could go out and sign, sign Jabari Parker. But before we get into Jabari Parker, let's pause here for a quick break, because I know the Parker discussion is probably going to be long and lively, so we'll uh, we'll get geared up for that. So we're going to pause for a quick break. This is the NBA Front Office Show, part of the Almighty Baller Network. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. We're joined by our producer, Connorell, and our co-host, Pete Toll. Today, we are breaking down the Chicago Bulls offseason. We just finished a pretty good conversation on Zach Levine, where unfortunately we all really agree that this isn't as bad as some people make it out to be. So now let's get into a guy where maybe we'll have some disagreement. We'll see. Jabari Parker, he was their other big signing. So after the Bulls uh, matched on Levine, cleared out space, usually basically the remainder of what they had left for cap room to bring in Jabari Parker. It is technically just to make sure we're all clear on it. It is a two-year deal, but it's 20 $20 million this season and then $20 million team option next year, which really makes this kind of in a way a one-year $20 million deal for Parker because I think even if he does you know, extremely well, there's a chance the Bulls will decline that and then try to re-up him to a to a longer deal after this year. Parker, as we all know, he is coming back from a uh, second torn ACL, but he looked pretty good to, to me uh, by the end of last season, played Fairly well in a couple playoff games in Milwaukee in their first round series loss to the Boston Celtics. And Parker, he's a guy that I have some pretty strong feelings about, but but I'll hold him because I don't want to sway the co-hosts here. So, so Khan, you liked the Zach Levine match to bring him back. What are your thoughts on Parker joining the Bulls? All right, so before I give you my opinion, I just want to lay down the the different factors that go into this, this signing. Mm-hmm. One, it's... You, you have to look at the comparison between Jabari Parker on a one-year flyer versus the deal that the Nets got from the Nuggets. Because I think yeah. 
that's the only other deal that was really out there, at least as far as we know, for this time period, for free agency. Maybe down the line towards trade, the trade deadline, there might be other things that become available. But but right now, that's what we know. Um, and that's top 12 protected. Yep. Yeah, so let, let's well let, let's get into that a little bit because this is the, the the beating the Bulls took was the the people who really hate the Jabari Parker contract were just eat a bad deal whether that was was that that trade that the Nets worked with the Nuggets which you know we'll talk about that when we get into the Nets show but that was you know basically he he Darrell Arthur and Kenneth Fareed's contracts for a first round pick so that was one thing that people said or people said just hold the cap space because teams are going to be looking to dump. Contracts contracts when you get into the season now i can tell you just from what i heard from people who are close to the bull situation they the second was never on the table they weren't gonna sit on cap space uh deep into the year they were gonna use this money one way or another to do something so so i i'm glad you made that kind of point because it is it is important to do that as a comparison point to you know what else could they have done because by the time they signed parker there was not another 20 million dollar a year free agent out there to chase or go after and they unless they were going to get really silly and start doing offer sheets and things like that which they probably weren't going to do so so that totally makes sense so go ahead with your point now yeah so and then so there's and then the second part of this deal is the is the number the 20 million that people are stuck on saying oh 40 million to zach levine and parker and whatever so you have to look at this the bulls didn't want to take on long-term salary that's why they didn't take on any other bad uh, deals. Um, they wanted this year's salary just because next year, if everything goes right, they can have double max room. I'll get to how they could maybe finagle that. But so they, they didn't want a long term deal. And if you do a non guaranteed second deal, which would have which would have had to be done if he was still restricted, which the I mean, Bartlestein and the Bucks kind of worked that out. But yeah. if they did a offer sheet of anything less than the Bucks hard cap. I think the Bucks match it. It's still a team-friendly deal if it's one one year, second year non-guaranteed. So one hundred percent, the Bucks would have matched that. Yes, yeah, absolutely, so eight, no question. Eighteen five was the limit there. Eighteen five was the offer the Bulls needed to get to in order to take Parker away. So the twenty million dollars is just like uh, I mean one and a half million off of the value that they had to do to get Parker. So. In the grand scheme of things, the Bulls, one, they didn't want to do the pick. Two, I think Parker's ceiling is probably higher than a 13-plus first-rounder next year who every draft expert says it's not as deep. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. But, like, I am I think there's no downside to this deal personally, um, and I'm all in on it, and I just don't understand the amount of hate that it's gotten, honestly. Yeah, so, so yeah. Pete, I'm going to come to you in a second for your thoughts. One thing, too, is, again, if you remember I said, this is really structured. It's really kind of a one-year deal if the Bulls want it to be because they have a team option. It is almost impossible to have a bad one-year contract, no matter how much you pay. It's not It's not like if they didn't pay Parker $20 million, they were signing LeBron James. It's not like they made that decision. There was there was nobody else to give that big money to. The roster was pretty full, so they weren't going to be spreading that amongst you know two ten million dollar guys. That probably wasn't happening either. And, and as Khan went into in detail, they 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 just they weren't going to eat bad money you know beyond this year. And there wasn't a lot of one year bad money to move. So so Pete, I want to come over to you. What are your thoughts on this contract for for Parker and the Bulls, and then Parker's impact on the court? 
Well, I like the contract for everything that you guys just said. I mean, if it's perfectly with a one-year flyer, if it works out, great. Sign the multi-year deal, which I personally think it will. Um, I'm going to start with the two question marks I have as far as Parker goes. Obvious one, can he stay healthy? Um, that's that's the biggest thing. And then the fit at small forward potentially is where he's going to slot in. Defensively, I mean, he kind of came out in the in the presser and alluded to really not <laughs> yeah. playing defense and you get paid to score. And so I, I kind of wonder, the, the, the big wonder is, how much of a leap is Zach Levine going to make defensively? And then where does that put Parker defensively? Together on the wing, it, they hopefully can put up a ton of points to kind of counterbalance the the defense because they were, um, what, 24th in defense last year. So, you know, I, I kind of expect that maybe to be around the same. Um, and that, that means that their, their offense is going to have to go way up from 28th, which I think it will with basically two 20-point scores potentially in, in uh, Parker and, and Levine. Um, with – Parker, I'd like to see him kind of in that bully ball role. Like he can um, drive to the basket, you know, score inside, you know, use his bigger size against um, smaller uh, small forwards. And then against the power forwards, use um, quickness and, and use that kind of bullying mentality to score. And then I also want to see him improve stretching the floor more consistently. Um, those are the big things there. Of course, he rebounds well, so... You know, I think it's going to be a plus for the Bulls. They're going to be happy with what they get, and then Parker is going to parlay the hometown, um, you know, kind of uh, feel good story of, of coming back into a long term. So, welcome back to Bulls Fan Podcast because again, all, all three of us are on the same page. I didn't, I didn't expect it to go. I figured there'd be some kind of so, balance. You know, I, I know, I know. Pete knows this kind. Of, I don't know how much you know, but I've. I'm a Jabari Parker guy. I love this guy. Like, I, I think this guy is – I think he's really, really good. You know, and I think he was he was showing signs when he had the first ACL tear, and then he was really there when he had the second ACL injury. He was – you know, this is a guy who can fairly easily and efficiently put up 20 points per game. And, it, and he does it in the way Pete said. He punishes smaller guys inside, switch a bigger guy onto him. He's, he's got a good enough handle to put the ball on the deck and get to the rim. He's also an improving shooter, especially from the corners. Um, you know, I think I think they're going to put together a really nice offense. The other thing is, maybe I'm being just super optimistic and I'm buying into the whole summer hope thing. Um, but I don't know that their defense is going to be quite as bad as everyone makes it out to be because – Robin Lopez is still a pretty good defender, and they still have him. So we'll talk about about him a little bit more later in the show. He's going to be be the subject of one of our questions. Markkinen is not as bad as people make him out to be. Um, then you've got Carter, who I, we all think is going to step right in and be a you know, pretty good defender. He's probably going to be arguably the best defensive big out of the draft class to start the season. Dunn's a pretty good defender. Justin Holiday can hold his own when he's on the floor. Bobby Porters can do some things defensively. So, you know, it really becomes it's it's Parker and Levine. Now, I think people are probably rightly so looking at it and saying, well, those are your two wings, you know, and that's where everybody attacks is is from the wing. So they're they're not gonna be a good defense, but I don't think they're gonna be the train wreck that a lot of people are making them out to be, just because I think these guys can can do some things. And and it kind of goes back to our Levine conversation. If they can just be below average instead of awful, well all of a sudden that 
you know, allows everybody else to be that much better. Plus, I do think that there's a chance what we see, I don't want to step over to a point I want to make later in the show, um, but it is, I think there's a chance your three big rotation is primarily uh, Markin and Carter and Parker as we get deeper into the season. And, you know, that's got a lot of kind of good versatility, switchability, things you can do, different guys and do different things. So I think that's where we're probably headed with this. So it sounds like we're all, you know, from a uh, contract structure, we're all on board. And then from an impact on the court, it sounds like we're all, you know, kind of going the other way from where some of the other teams are. So, you know, we'll, we'll see ultimately where that turns into and how that goes uh, for the Bulls. But it's it's definitely they're they're going to be a lot more fun to watch. I think this year just because of matching Levine and signing Parker because there was times last year, Con. I don't know how you feel as a the Bulls fan, but there were times for me last year and the year before that where this team was just they were tough to watch. Even when they still had Jimmy Butler, they were just. They they weren't they weren't a fun watch you know there was a it was kind of a slog to get through a Bulls game so um, all right we'll get into now a couple of the more towards the bottom of the roster moves um, Raleigh Alkin signed the two way we already talked about him uh, there and then the the other moves that the Bulls made Antonio Blakeney so this is a guy who he dominated summer league as far as scoring the ball he's also been a pretty good scorer down in the g league was on a two-way with the bulls last year and now he is uh uh on a uh standard contract with with the bulls uh, two-year deal if i remember correctly yes two-year contract for blakeney so you know at the minimum so really a uh you know nice job by him good job by the bulls to develop him and get him there uh guard guard uh you know guy six foot four it feels like and he's from lsu it feels like lsu every couple of years cranks out one of these six foot four guards or so that can uh, really score the ball and blakeney's just the, the latest in that group so he he's back on are you happy to see blakeney get this this uh you know guaranteed uh contract at the minimum with chicago yeah um the i mean a couple of our episodes last year i mentioned how i would love the bulls to give him, to take a flyer on him at a minimum contract and i think the second year is non-guaranteed correct me if i'm wrong there um, yeah i'm not sure let me look that up um and then so yeah i mean he also not only dominated summer league he dominated the g league last year as a rookie scoring 32 and a half points a game getting rookie of the year honors there in the g league um and he i mean i think his role is going to be a lou will type role in the league i don't know how uh, what percentage of Lou Will's production he can get to. Obviously, <laughs> Lou Will's amazing, but if he can come off the bench uh, and get hot and stay in the game if he's hot and get pulled if he's not, I think that's going to be a great role for him. We know he could light it up, so I- I'm excited to see what he can bring. Yeah, Pete, I know you you tend to focus a little more on the G League guys. Do you think Blake needs, uh obviously, you know, the G League is not the NBA, but he, you know, his production is off the charts as a score in the G League. Is some of that translatable into the NBA? Absolutely, because he's able to play both guard positions. Mm-hmm. And rumor is he's going to be, what, the third point guard? And then if you decide you want to move off of, say, a guy like Justin Holiday, I think he can slot in, like Khan said, perfect role, you know, kind of being that gunner scorer, um, being able to put points up in a hurry. And he does it in a variety of ways, able to get to the basket, able to shoot the three, um, able to hit the mid-range. So I think an effective scorer long-term, not a guy that's going to necessarily be your six-man. I, I wouldn't go as far as to put him in the Lou Will 
category, but I think that kind of that type of player where he just basically doesn't look to necessarily pass a ton and just focus on scoring, I think I think that's a good role for him. Yeah, and I think you just to be very clear, Con that's what Con was saying, more of the role versus right, right. the ability. So just right. you know, like I wanna wanna protect our boy there. So oh, most yeah. people aren't like, Man, this dude's off the reservation. He loves Zach Levine and, and now Blake needs the sixth man of the year. So um, you know, we'll uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think he's gonna be pretty good. You know, in in that role, I think you know there is some of those third point guard minutes available. I think again, the Bulls are looking for guys behind Levine because they they don't have anybody necessarily that is set in in that role. Uh, Justin Holiday probably this year is is primarily the the backup two three. But you know, Con mentioned before, you know, he that's a nice trade piece. Uh, if if Chicago's not in the mix uh, by the trade deadline, he's he's somebody you could get a small asset for. Um, you know, his teams are always looking for those guys with decent size that can shoot the ball. So, uh, next guy, Antonius Cleveland. So Pete and I talked a little bit about Cleveland on the Hawks show because uh, that's where he came from. They waived him and the Bulls claimed him. And I think this is another again. They're searching for two, three guys. They're they're looking for that wing depth. So this is a guy six foot six. Cleveland is. He's had flashes at times with uh, a couple of different teams. He's with Dallas last year for part of the year, and then you know closed it out with the Hawks. So Pete, I'm gonna come back to you right away on this one. Antonius Cleveland, what can he bring to the Chicago Bulls? Uh, first and foremost, it's going to be defense. Um, for obviously, the Bulls know that they. Um, had Chandler Hutchinson play the Hawks in summer league. Basically Cleveland was responsible for kind of stifling Hutchinson um, in their matchup. Um, so basically playing defense against, um, you know, ball handlers and, and wings is, is going to be where Cleveland can kind of step in, um, you know, and play a big role. He's more that three and D because he can knock down the three point shot. The thing that, you know, is really going to be key for Cleveland is can he stay healthy? Cause last year, um, he was able to get on the Atlanta Hawks and didn't really play. And so nobody really knows kind of what he can do. You know, he had a cup of coffee with the Dallas Mavericks as well. Um, you know, showed a little bit of flashes, but played so little of minutes. Nobody really saw at the NBA level, can that really imposing defense translate to the NBA? I think it will be able to. Um, can he play that David Nawaba type role? I, you know, think he can as a spot defender but I don't think he's going to get the minutes necessarily um, like Nawaba did this season but I I think he can really be a piece um, moving forward and like I said he can score if he needs to but I don't think that's going to be the primary focus with so many other elite scorers on this team yeah Nawab is another guy that they had obviously great success with after they claimed him off waivers um mm-hmm. we're gonna there's a when we get into our 10 questions about the bulls there i have a question about david Nawaba. so just gonna hang on to to that for for a minute as we get into it so um then the last si- uh transaction to date for the chicago bulls is ryan archie diacono re-signed to a uh a one-year contract sounds like it's got a partial guarantee on it i would be surprised if it's um it's probably fairly small, 50000 or less, because that is a match you can give a guy guaranteed money and then get him over to your NBA GL team as an affiliate player. So I think if the Bulls were to cut Archie Diacono, they would want to still kind of 
keep him around if another NBA team doesn't pick him up and have him back with Windy City. So, Con, I'm uh, without spending too much time on Archie Diakono. Sure, you're you're good with this because again, it's another sign of two way development bringing a kid back. Yeah, and I mean this this signing brings him up to sixteen guys, so mm-hmm. that it's almost guaranteed that he's not gonna be on the final 15-man roster just because that's the only non-guaranteed guy i mean he's scrappy uh willing passer um i think he's good to have on a two-way like he was good last year so it's a good move uh he's just not going to be on the final roster because there's 15 guaranteed deals already there could uh let's i want to could cleveland is guaranteed on non-guaranteed too Oh, is he this year? Okay, yeah, one year. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that, that's so okay. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's kind of my thought. Those two guys are going to go head to head, and it probably comes down to when we get to the end of the preseason. Do you need a point guard, which is what Diakono is, or do you need a uh, wing? And that's probably what ultimately makes the decision for right then. It wouldn't be be a big surprise to me either if it's um, they go one way with one guy and then they switch it up. You know, in the season, it wouldn't. You know, that wouldn't be much of which, a shock. It's going to depend on Cameron Payne too, from the point guard standpoint, because if if he's able to, you know, come out and and show what he did at the end of last season, mm-hmm. that gives them more faith to go Cleveland. If he falters, you know, Blakeney is not really a passer, so they could also you know go Archie and Dianaco, um his his route too because he's more of a willing passer. He just can't shoot the three. Yeah, that's 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 the thing that's holding him back right now. Is he just he's, right. he's not only can he not shoot, he's not really a you know who it reminds me of. He reminds me a little bit of TJ McConnell. Um, yeah, in that respect, yeah. Where he just he doesn't want to shoot the ball. He wants to right. you know, kind of set guys up. So uh, you know that's a kind of apt comparison that just popped into mind there. All right, let's get into our ten questions about the Bulls here as we wrap up. So, Con, you're the Bulls fan. What's the starting five on opening night, assuming everybody's healthy and ready to go? Yeah, so it's going to be Dunn, Levine, Parker, because they're going to try him there, Lowry, and Lopez. And depending on, I mean, we're going to get to Lopez as well. I think by the end of the year, that could change to have Carter um, in at the five. And just quick takes, I think Parker at the three is worth trying. I'm not opposed. Yeah, his net rating on off and stuff at the three with the Bucks wasn't good and, and all that. But the but the Bucks also didn't have too much spacing. Um, I think this Bulls team, um, especially if if they go without Dunn and like do Levine as a primary ball handler in some lineups with Hutchison or Holiday, that's a lot of spacing um, if Carter's in there too. So... Uh, Parker's going to have a lot to work with there. And Dunn would be the only kind of bad shooter in that starting lineup anyway. Um, I guess Lopez isn't. I'm, I'm assuming Carter's sliding in there for some reason. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's the defense is the concern. But again, the backups, Hutchison and Holiday, are defensively minded. And I mean, Pete mentioned Cleveland could be a good defender too. So the lineups aren't going to stay bench or starting and bench exclusively. So you can mix and match to have only one bad defender out there a lot of the times. Um, to, to mitigate. Yep, definitely. Pete, same for you? Same for me, same thing. They can mix and match as needed per matchup. So. Yeah, and, I, and I'm, you know, well, I'm stepping on a point a little later, but I do, I don't necessarily think Robin Lopez finishes the year with the Bulls, so I think uh, I'm with you that I think Carter slides in there. So, all right, let's, uh, the, the next two, uh, these are just going to be uh, confirming, so we're all in agreement that matching the offer sheet on, on Levine was the right move, right? 
Okay, and we're all in agreement that signing Parker was was if not a if not necessarily a good move, it wasn't a bad move. We're all in agreement on that. Yes, surprisingly, right. I thought one. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I knew. I thought opinion. I was going to be the one to argue for Jabari. So, <laughs> so that's interesting. Um, you know, we we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but the next question on the list was how bad is the defense going to be? I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it because because it's you know it has the potential to be to be. Not very good, but I don't think any of us thinks it's going to be the train wreck 30th defense in the league that anybody's predicting. Is that fair, Con? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm on the side that Lowry's a uh, could be a plus defender, if not average. So they have three average to plus defenders in the lineup, and Parker and Levine have the athleticism to cover um, if they actually put their mind to it and they're not on a tanking team or Parker's not in a situation where he's kind of disappointed in the Bucks last year or... Whatever, I think there's the makings of an average defense here. It's it's not inconceivable that they're somewhere between the 13th and 19th defense to me. Yeah, I think their biggest problem is going to be, well, two two biggest problems is going to be when you play the really good teams, the Golden State and Houston and Boston, who, you know, they're going to, they, those teams are relentless at searching it out and punishing you. And then I think when you play a um, team with a really good, quick scoring point guard who is able to get done switched off of him and on the then he's going against somebody else. That'll be where their their problems will be. But that's on the, the coaching staff, right, to, to Fred Hoiberg to figure out, all right, when we get into these, how do we get switched out of this quick enough to get back to, you know, something good. So so I don't think it's going to be as awful. All right, Pete, you're the Duke guy, so I'm going to go to you first. What are fair expectations for Wendell Carter Jr. as a rookie? Um, I think fair expectations for me. The numbers on offense aren't going to wow you, but I think – the focus needs to, you know, people need to look at how does he rebound? You know, where, you know, in the defense, he's going to be able to block and alter shots, sneaky good passes that'll basically have him as the fan favorite right away. He does all those little things that don't necessarily show up in the box score, but his impact on the defensive side of the ball will, you know, kind of fast track the moving of Lopez, I think. Um, you know, to where Carter's in the starting lineup pretty quick. I personally have him, you know, he's not going to be in the rookie of the year conversation, but I, like I said earlier, I think he's going to be, you know, the best big coming out of this draft. Him and, and Jaron Jackson are going to vie for the best bigs coming out of this draft. Yeah, I'm with you on that. He's not going to score enough to score rookie of the year. I mean, you, you need to put points on the board or be, you know, Ben Simmons and really good all around to, to win rookie of the year. So I'm with you on that con. I'm going to kind of flip it slightly. What would be for you, if all of it, what would make you worried at the end of the year about, Oh man, I don't know if, if Carter's the guy we thought he was, what, what would have to happen for you to have some worries about that? Um, that's, that's, I think if, uh, his rim protection is really bad, like if he just gets blown by every time on switches, cause that's the thing. That's the one thing that worried people, and he's showing that he might not be that bad at it. But if he's just a full blow by in his first year, um, that would be a little bit concerning. And then, um, other than that, he doesn't. He's not a high usage guy, so I don't think he can do so much to really lower, like, be awful or like affect the, affect my opinion of him that much. It's just if he doesn't do the little things, like he always says he does that would be concerning if he doesn't hustle and make the right play or gets flustered a lot. That's kind of what would bring me down okay. on him. 
Yeah, that, and that's and that's probably you know I think he may have arguably the highest floor of almost anybody picked in the top ten. I just I don't see any way that this guy's not a rotation big at a bare minimum for the next ten seasons. Like I just I think there's too many he does too many things well for him to be anything less than that. All right, Con, I'm gonna go right back to you, Laurie Markinen, second year. What are you expecting out of him in his second season? Man, so second year, um, I think he's gonna he's gonna take a jump. I mean, he's been putting on weight. Um, he's gonna be able to go to the post. He's gonna be able to play a little bit more minutes at the five. I think that's you you could see that. Um, especially if they move Lopez, uh, you could see Lowry and Portis lineups. Um, and I, I mean, to me, his potential is through, like, I, I, I think he can be a top 10 player one day, um, be just because of his length and scoring and quick release and in the post, he can pass, he can run the break for well for a big, um, and for the second year, I would have said he's going to jump up to 20 points a game. I think he still has that in him. Uh, there's just a lot more scoring with Levine and Parker added in that just due to the lack of touches he might not get there but he definitely has the ability to get there at an efficient rate too so I mean I think sky's this I mean sky's the roof with this guy he's he, I'm really high on him <laughs> did, did you just do use a Michael Jordan there sky's the roof I sky's the roof yeah I did do that I Michael Jordan man that's that's staying true staying right on Bulls brand there um you know I think uh I'm with you on marketing I, I think probably 12 15 points a game you know somewhere in that range is probably a little more realistic just because I don't think he's going to get the shots as you mentioned all right we've danced all around it Pete is it time for them to trade Robin Lopez definitely he'll be gone at the deadline no no question I, I think I think he's, you know, number one, he needs to go to a, you know, a, a more playoff ready contending team, mm-hmm. um, where he can help. And I think, you know, right now he's in the way of, of Carter Jr. And then marking in, like, uh, Con said, could slide to the five in some pinch minutes too. So I think it's just hindering the development of the younger guys. Yeah, and I think it also limits their ability to go small at times with Jabari at the four, if if you even consider that going small, uh, just because not then you're really crowded because they still want to get some minutes for Robbie Portis in there and you know get make sure he gets a chance to play. So that's yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. It's time for Robin Lopez to go somewhere else, and that's nothing against Robin Lopez. I think he's you know I think he could be a good quality starting center for any number of playoff teams with that. Com, what are your thoughts on time to trade Lopez? Yeah, um, I think you can tie in Holiday into this too. One sure. with Lopez, I think they want to um, just because they have a lot of bigs. I just think they might struggle uh, finding someone to take him just because teams might not be willing to give up that much and there aren't a lot of teams with space and the Bulls don't want to take on salary for next year. So I think that that's the only thing that might limit that. I'm sure they will be making calls to everyone that, that's interested. Um but I wouldn't be that shocked if he's still on the team just because they they didn't they couldn't find something that they want to do. But if they do, I think he's gonna be a great mentor for Carter. Um, just until he gets moved, I think that's the perfect guy to teach him how to box out, be a good team rebounder. Lopez might be the best team rebounder in the league. <laughs> um, and then with Holiday, just grouping them because he's an all, also an expiring deal. I think Holiday is like a solid player and wouldn't be shocked if the Bulls want to keep him as that veteran wing off the bench um, for the next few years. I know people are kind of saying, oh, they need to trade him, but the Bulls are looking to be not awful. Like, they're, they're looking to be good. They probably want to make the playoffs this year. 
Um, and Holiday just helps off the bench, wing exactly what you need. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if they want to keep him and sign him long term to a reasonable deal too. Yeah, and, and I'm with you. They're definitely not going to take on any long term money. Um, may, maybe they would take on, you know, if it's a, a couple million just as they make salaries match, but they're not going to take on somebody who's in the 15 million or so range that Lopez is in to to just to move him. They're not going to take any, on any money uh, back there. And it, it's I think this may be one where his market develops as we get in season and a team, you know, a playoff team loses a big man or two, and then we'll see you know, where it goes. And maybe the Bulls say, all right, you know what, well, we'll take on a little bit of money, but you got to kick us a pick or a good young player in addition to, and, you know, start as they kind of start to plan for, for next season. So uh, we kind of danced around this one a little bit, but David Nawaba, um, a lot of people I know around the league that are surprised he's still sitting out there as a free agent. So Con, should they bring him back at this point, or is it just, you know, move on and go a different way? Yeah, to me, I don't think it... I mean, he was great last year. He was one of my favorite Bulls last year. If you ask me, he's he was the fourth guy after Lowry, Dunn, and Levine that I'd want to keep long-term. Um, so I know they still have the room exception left that they can uh, dig into to sign him. I really hope they do. I really want to just sit down with Gar Pax and Gar, Gar Foreman and Paxson just to ask why. Because something's going on there that we don't know. Um, just because if you only look at how he played last year, I think it's a no-brainer for a minimum to somewhere in the room exception deal. Um, I think one thing is he might want more than the minimum, and the Bulls, I mentioned that they could get to double cap room. The only way they could do that is if next year they trade their first-round pick, Denzel, and Felicio. So, like, have someone take Felicio in, in exchange for a first in Valentine, basically, and then renounce Portis um, and Payne and all that. Then they can have double caps max room next year, which I'm sure they know and are aware of. And if they sign Nawaba to the room exception or more than a minimum deal, it's going to be tougher to do that. Um, so that might be a reason. But just from his play last year, yeah, I, I think they should. I think the room exception is a fair contract for him for sure. Yeah, and you know, you would think that with the lack of wing defenders on this roster that you would be looking to bring this guy back and i'm with you my guess is it's just right now it's probably about years of money and trying to you know slot that in this is a guy who he's really made by nba standards nothing uh today in his career and you know kind of came a little bit out of nowhere to get this opportunity proved he's you know at, at least he's a, a bench uh, defensive wing um you know maybe even more than that and that's just a you know that's a challenge of figuring out what what is that worth to you contract wise so all right pete i'm gonna go to you the next to last question can the chicago bulls be a playoff team this year in the east i don't think they're a playoff team this year but i think they make enough of a jump i think their their ceiling can be 33 wins this year um i have them around 31 ish um i just don't know defensively is it going to be enough that they can make a push to go higher um, and so that's kind of where I have question marks. Offensively, I think they're going to, you know, vastly improve off of the, um, you know, 28th uh, in the league finish they had last year. Um, just don't know for this year. Con, what about you? Playoff team this year? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in and say yeah. I, I think all right. I think eight, I think they're going to be competing. Like they're going to be in that seven to ten range um, of teams that are trying to get that last spot. And I think the Bulls 
are gonna want to be in. They're not like they're not gonna be one of those teams that like want to kind of drop down at the end of the season. That's in the playoff race just to be in the lottery. I think they have all their the young talent that they think they need. Um, and it's just not a team that wants to tank, so they're gonna be trying all year. And I think like the Pacers last year, everyone had them out. There's always that one team that everyone has out that makes it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the Bulls have the potential to be that team. So, yeah, I'm just going to do it just to, like, would I put money on it? No, but I think it's fine. (laughs) You're not making a trip back to Vegas to to throw down some life savings. Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you, I think think they're going to really struggle against the really good teams, you know, especially in the East, Boston, Toronto, Philadelphia. I don't think they have a chance against those teams. But I think against everybody else, just night to night, you know, they'll, they'll probably again, Indiana, Milwaukee, Washington. I'm going to leave people out, but but against the teams that they're in a similar range to, there's no reason why they can't beat some of those teams. And occasionally, you are you know in a way sometimes better off being an offensive team in the regular season because teams don't have time to kind of scheme game to game about how they're going to attack you. You know, if they do get into the playoffs, I think it'll be a very short um, stay for them because I think then teams will they'll you know, over the course of four, five, six, maybe seven games, they'll pick them apart and get into it and, you know, really make their their defensive woes stand out with that. So, all right, we like to close with we don't do grades on this show, um, just not not something we do, but up, down, neutral, con, up, down, neutral from last year where the Bulls were. If we were looking back to having this conversation a year ago, do you feel like they're up, down, or neutral? Well, I'm sure you can guess that I'm way up on from where they were last year. Probably Quick rebuild. I don't know. Some people wanted to go two years. I'm not on that train. Um, but yeah, way up. Pete? Same way up. Parker, Levine, Carter. You know, that's the future, and I think it's it's going to be a worthwhile gamble. Yeah, and I'm 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 not going to go way up where you guys are, but I am up. I think they did some nice stuff short term to be more competitive and certainly more interesting, and they didn't do anything to really harm themselves long term because, like we all talked in depth, none of us think that Levine deal is a bad one. So that's about the only. Uh, if you think that's a bad contract, then that's about the only bad contract on the on the roster because. Felicio, yeah, it's 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 a waste of money, but it's not so big that it's you know a huge number or anything like that. So so it's it's going to be interesting. Definitely, the Bulls are going to be a much more watchable team coming into this season. Their team, I think, we're all uh, cautiously excited about to see where they're at. Uh, you know, when we get there, they're a team too that you know with Lopez and Holiday, they've got some tradable pieces there. And then uh, even if they were, let's say they really overperform, they've got some pieces in Holiday, Lopez, even Omer Ashik, whose deal is only guaranteed for three million dollars next year that's those are guys you could put into a trade to get a big piece if you really you know if you know if we're sitting at the trade deadline and somehow they're you know fifth or sixth and a lot better than people thought they've got pieces that they can kind of start putting together to make that bigger trade which i think is another thing to really watch for the for the bulls because you know that's what you're always looking for is how can we move that contracts around to get that big piece so definitely more more to come with the bulls as we get into the season and i think uh, better days to come and con hit it it's quick rebuild here they were only out for for the one season and now they're they're right back at it which is a full full tank jobs is not something chicago really does so you know really good uh con let everybody know where they can find you on twitter 
Yeah, so it's at con, K-A-A-N, N-B-A underscore M-T-D. So con, B-A underscore M-T-D. And then also follow at the Benchmob NBA podcast. And same thing on Twitter, at the Benchmob NBA. Um, we do. We talked about the Bulls quite a bit. We did some other uh, team reviews, offseason reviews, uh, just more higher level, not digging in as much as we do here. So uh, go check that out. I don't know how many guys I met from the Bench Mob podcast because I think you guys have a cast of thousands, but I know I met several <laughs> at, uh, at Summer League. All good we, guys. We had a big group so, there. Yeah, we, we had yeah. a big group there. <laughs> yeah, so that that's why you guys are able to keep cranking on pods because if, if somebody has a baby, you just you know take them on, put them on the disabled list for a couple weeks and <laughs> exactly. move along. <laughs> you know, but it's uh, no all good guys there from the Bench Mob. Definitely check them out. Pete, what about you? Uh, you can find me at Pete Toll, so it's P-E-T-E-T-O-A-L-M-B-A um, on Twitter. Always looking to engage in, in NBA discussions. Have had quite a few recently about uh, about my Sixers and and you know some other teams sprinkled in because uh, I'm I'm trying to get more into getting uh, engaged with the the Twitter community because I, I took a long while off from analytics and and all of that stuff having the having the baby and and everything so ready to get back into it this season full-fledged yeah no doubt embrace the debate as long as they keep it civil and, and uh pleasant that's uh, exactly that's what i've learned so and you can obviously find me on twitter at keith smith nba you know it's uh you know as we're starting to die down it's uh not not quite as active but i'm trying to do at least uh you know once if not twice a week kind of nba q a's through twitter and that's a lot of fun to do and you know you ask questions and i'll hit you back with the answers and thoughts on on things so you know we're gonna we're going to keep this rolling here. This is a you know off-season review number two. Uh, we went a little out of alphabetical order because we want to make sure we had Khan on this one because he is the Bulls guy of the group. But we want to make sure he was here for this. And we're we're gonna like I said, we're gonna make a couple more shows uh, that you'll hear coming up here. We're, we're gonna keep plugging away. Hopefully, get to all thirty teams well in advance of training camps opening at the end of September. But for now, this has been the NBA Front Show. We are part of the Almighty Baller Network, and we will talk to you. Line. Are your feet wet? My feet are wet. Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Ah, uh, it's on the dock. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Yeah. Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.